1 Kings chapter 22. And before we read, I must warn you, we're embarking on a lengthy chapter. It's also the last chapter of the book of 1 Kings. 1 and 2 Kings, it's really one book. It just flows together. It's all written, um, we believe, by Jeremiah the prophet. And um, so there's nothing significant to say about why it stops in this place, as far as I understand. But I think it's just, you know, when they had to break the scroll in half, this was about halfway. <laughs> so we're going to read 1 Kings chapter 22, and uh, we'll get to some comments shortly. They continued three years without war between Syria and Israel. And in the third year, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, came down to the king of Israel. The king of Israel said to his servants, You know that Ramoth Gilead is ours, and we do nothing, and don't take it out of the hand of the king of Syria. He said to Jehoshaphat, Will you go with me to battle for Ramoth Gilead? Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am as you are, and my people are as your people, and my horses are as your horses. Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, Please inquire first for Yahweh's word. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about 400, and said to them, Should I go against Ramoth Gilead to battle, or should I refrain? They said, Go, for the Lord will deliver it into the hand of the king. But Jehoshaphat said, Isn't there here a prophet of Yahweh? that we may inquire of him. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man by whom we may inquire of Yahweh, Micaiah the son of Imlah, but I hate him, for he does not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. Jehoshaphat said, Don't let the king say so. Then the king of Israel called an officer and said, Quickly get Micaiah the son of Imlah. Now the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat the king of Judah were sitting each on his throne, arrayed in their robes, in an open place at the entrance of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets were prophesying before them. Zedekiah the son of Chenana made himself horns of iron and said, Yahweh says, with these you will push the Syrians until they are consumed. All the prophets prophesied so, saying, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper, for Yahweh will deliver it into the hand of the king. The messenger who went to call Micaiah spoke to him, saying, See now, the prophets declare good to the king with one mouth. Please let your word be like the mouth of one of them and speak good. Micaiah said, As Yahweh lives, what Yahweh says to me, that will I speak. When he had come to the king, the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramoth-Gilead to battle, or shall we forbear? He answered him, Go and prosper and Yahweh will deliver it into the hand of the king. The king said to him, How many times do I have to adjure you that you speak to me nothing but the truth in Yahweh's name? He said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. Yahweh said, These have no master. Let them each return to his house in peace. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, didn't I tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? Micaiah said, Hear Yahweh's word. I saw Yahweh sitting on his throne, and all the army of heaven standing by him on his right hand and on his left. And Yahweh said, Who will entice Ahab, that he may go up and fall at Ramoth-Gilead? One said one thing, and one said another. A spirit came out and stood before Yahweh and said, I will entice him. Yahweh said, How? He said, I will go out and will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. 
He said, you will entice him and you will prevail. Go and do so. Now, therefore, behold, Yahweh has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these your prophets. And Yahweh has spoken evil concerning you. Then Zedekiah, the son of Chenana, came near and struck Micaiah on the cheek and said, Which way did Yahweh's spirit go when he went from me to you? Micaiah said, Behold, you will see on that day when you go into an inner room to hide yourself. The king of Israel said, Take Micaiah and carry him back to Amon, the governor of the city, and to Joash the king's son. Say, The king says, Put this fellow in the prison and feed him with the bread of affliction and with the water of affliction until I come in peace. Micaiah said, If you return at all in peace, Yahweh has not spoken by me. He said, Listen, all you people. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramoth-Gilead. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go into the battle, but you put on your robes. The king of Israel disguised himself and went into the battle. Now the king of Syria had commanded the 32 captains of his chariots, saying, Don't fight with small nor great, except only with the king of Israel. When the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat, they said, Surely that is the king of Israel. And they came over to fight against him. Jehoshaphat cried out. When the captains of the chariots saw that it was not the king of Israel, they turned back from pursuing him. A certain man drew his bow at random and struck the king of Israel between the joints of the armour. Therefore he said to the driver of the chariot, Turn your hand and carry me out of the battle, for I am severely wounded. The battle increased that day. The king was propped up in his chariot facing the Syrians and died at evening. The blood ran out of the wound into the bottom of the chariot. A cry went throughout the army about the going down of the sun, saying, Every man to his city, every man to his country. So the king died and was brought to Samaria, and they buried the king in Samaria. They washed the chariot by the pool of Samaria, and the dogs licked up the blood where the prostitutes washed themselves, according to Yahweh's word which he spoke. Now the rest of the acts of Ahab and all that he did and the ivory house which he built and all the cities that he built, aren't they written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Ahab slept with his fathers and Ahaziah his son reigned in his place. Jehoshaphat the son of Asa began to reign over Judah in the fourth year of Ahab king of Israel. Jehoshaphat was 35 years old when he began to reign and he reigned 25 years in Jerusalem. His mother name was Azubah, the daughter of Shealhi. He walked in all the ways of Asa, his father. He didn't turn away from it, doing that which was right in Yahweh's eyes. However, the high places were not taken away. The people still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. Jehoshaphat made peace with the king of Israel. And now the rest of the acts of Jehoshaphat and his might that he showed and how he fought, aren't they written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah? The remnants of the Sodomites that remained in the days of his father Asa, he put away out of the land. There was no king in Edom, a deputy ruled. Jehoshaphat made ships of Tarshish to go to Ophir for gold, but they didn't go, for the ships were wrecked at Ezion Geba. Then Ahaziah the son of Ahab said to Jehoshaphat, Let my servants go with your servants in the ships. But Jehoshaphat would not. Jehoshaphat slept with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in his father David's city. And Jehoram his son reigned in his place. 
Ahaziah the son of Ahab began to reign over Israel in Samaria in the 17th year of Jehoshaphat the king of Judah, and he reigned two years over Israel. He did that which was evil in Yahweh's sight, and walked in the way of his father, and in the way of his mother, and in the way of Jeroboam the son of Nebat, in which he made Israel to sin. He served Baal, and worshipped him, and provoked Yahweh the God of Israel to anger, in all the ways that his father had done so. So in this chapter, it's the end of Ahab's life, and probably that's a fitting spot to finish the book of 1 Kings. It's, it's a natural dividing place, because we've had quite a few chapters which have been all about Ahab, going way back to chapter 16, I think. And so uh, we've got a few interesting things here in this chapter. First of all, um, Ahab wants to attack Ramoth-Gilead. So um, Israel and um, Syria have been kind of at peace, a kind of a peace for three years. Now you remember that Ahab had defeated Syria twice. And then uh, instead of killing the king of Syria, Ben-Hadad, he let him go. And um, they kind of made a bit of a deal there, a covenant. But the covenant was more against Israel, like it was more in favor of Syria than in Israel. But they have these couple of years of peace. Now in this intervening period, a very cool battle takes place that's not recorded in the Bible called the Battle of Karkar. And in this, which is spelt Q-A-R-Q-A-R, that's the place where the battle takes place. And in that, um, Shalmaneser III, who's the king of Assyria, now this is Nineveh, further north, he comes down to attack and he wants to attack and conquer the Levant, which is that whole area of Israel and Judah and Syria, that whole area. Now eventually the Assyrians do conquer this whole area. They go right down to Jerusalem before they, before they stop conquering. But this is like 100 years early. 100 years before they actually conquer it, they try to conquer it right when Ahab is the king but it's in this period where Ahab and Ben-Hadad are like friends. And they put together, they stitch together an alliance of 11 kings. I think it's 11 kings. It says 10 kings here. Oh no, Ahab and an alliance of 10 other kings battled Shalmaneser III at Karkar in Syria. And they defeated the Assyrians. Now this is a, a great battle. And um, the, this is a historical thing. Archaeology has proved it. There's stuff in museums about this. And it's an interesting, interesting, um, you know, window into the time. But so there's, they're in this period where they've even had a victory together. But finally, Ahab decides we're going to attack him. <laughs> so he now goes against the, the Syrians to get back Ramoth-Gilead. And Jehoshaphat, now the, the north and southern nation, Israel's in the north, Judah's in the south. The southern king is Jehoshaphat, the northern king is Ahab. They've been, these two nations have been kind of like antagonistic this whole entire time. But Jehoshaphat decides, let's work together and let's have peace. Now, when we get to the book of Chronicles, and Chronicles tells a lot of these stories, but from a different perspective, we find out that God doesn't like it. Because in the north, they're, they're not following the Lord, and the, the Lord didn't want this kind of cooperation between good and bad. But Jehoshaphat, I guess he was motivated by thinking, you know, really these are the 12 tribes of Israel and we should all be working together. So he's trying to make it work. And so Ahab says, come on, let's fight Ramoth-Gilead together. So Ramoth-Gilead is a city. It's over the other side of the Jordan River. It's about 50, I did the Google, I did the Google Maps thing and worked out how far from Samaria where Ahab was to Ramoth-Gilead, 51 kilometers. 
Um, we're not 100% sure where Ramoth Gilead is, but you know the spot where we think 51 kilometers. So they have to go all that way across the Jordan River and attack. And um, that'll be interesting in a minute. We'll come back to that. But Jehoshaphat, because he's a true follower of the Lord, he wants to know what's the Lord got to say about this. So that's where they get all the prophets in. And the 400 prophets of Ahab's, they're all saying, go and attack, and you're going to surely have a victory. But Jehoshaphat says, isn't there a prophet of the Lord, of Yahweh? And so this is where Micaiah, the son of Imla, gets dragged up from the dungeon. So he's been in prison this time, and I'm assuming he's in jail for prophesying things that Ahab didn't like. And um, now, according to the Jewish Midrash, um, Micaiah was one of four prophets trained by Elijah. So this is like a student prophet of Elijah's. So this is a, it's an interesting chapter because you've got all these chapters with Elijah, then you have this one chapter with no Elijah, but as we find out, it's actually someone Elijah trained, and then the next chapter we're back to Elijah again. So it's still all about Elijah, and this guy Micaiah prophesies that um, you're going to lose, and the king is going to be the king is going to be killed, and all the sheep are going to be scattered all on the hills, and uh, that's exactly what happens. And um, what I find interesting here is you've got 400 prophets who are all saying, now they're obviously not prophets of the Lord, but they're all saying that they're prophesying in the name of the Lord. That's what the chapter said. Now I found this really interesting because I was thinking, you know, this just doesn't. It doesn't seem like the type of thing that goes on today, right? Well, no, it actually is like the type of stuff that goes on today. And I thought the, the most obvious example of this for me was in um, 2020, it was last year, in the months leading up to the American election, there were so many prophets predicting that Trump's going to get re-elected. There were like, like 70 of them that I uh, was aware of. And some of these were... You know, people you think uh, should have known better, or they should have known, you know, people who know the Lord, you think. And they say things like, the Lord says Trump will be re-elected, and yet they're obviously all wrong. And then in, um, in the, you know, the month or so after Trump wasn't re-elected, they were all saying, the Lord says Trump will prevail, and Trump will be back in office. And he wasn't back in office, and he didn't prevail. And um, some of them are now saying, you know, oh, what the Lord really meant was he's going to get re-elected again next time. But see, now they're changing their words. And I think to myself, this whole thing of people who prophesy in the Lord's name, it's, this is what was happening here. We had hundreds of people prophesying what they, in the Lord's name, but it wasn't what the Lord was saying. And I think if, if people are going to say that they're a prophet, You've got to really know the Lord. You don't just go off a hunch. Oh, I think this is what God's saying. You don't just go off your, your mind. But you, if, if you're someone that's a prophet or someone, first of all, the Lord has to call you to a prophet and, and it has to be very obvious that he's done so. You don't just wake up one morning and say, I think I'm a prophet and then start saying whatever comes into your mind. That's not how it works. And Micaiah, the guy in this chapter, he clearly was hearing the voice of the Lord and um, so much so that he said, I saw, you know, this lying spirit come out from the throne of God. Now, you might, that particular issue of the lying spirit from the throne of God, that's caused all sorts of, uh, you know, academic 
headaches <laughs> for theologians. And uh, I'm not going to talk about it, but if you want to um, go back to some of my previous chapters, I talked about this type of a thing with King Saul because there was a the Bible says that there was a um, an evil spirit from the Lord that was sent to torment Saul. Well, go back to my my chapters in uh, in First Samuel, and you'll hear me talk about the evil spirit from the Lord, and, and it's the same type of thing here. There's a few places in the Bible where we see this type of thing. Does the Lord Himself do it? No. The Lord doesn't personally do it, but it's the Lord's, <laughs> it's the Lord's, it's the way that it's written that sounds like God's done it. And it's a bit like in the story of Job too, where Job is suffering, and in Job's mind, it's all God's fault. God doesn't personally do it, but God did allow it. That's true. So God allows there to be a lying spirit. God doesn't personally lie, and God doesn't personally command the lying, but someone, you know, God allows it. <laughs> you can go and listen to my previous chapters about Saul. And um, so Ahab, you know, he's got his yes men, he's got his 400 prophets. And you know, all around us in the world today, there are people who just prophesy their opinions. But there are some people who are true prophets of the Lord, and they're people who seek the Lord, and they get down, and they really want to know what's the Lord saying. They don't want to say what they think the Lord is saying. And there are very few people like that. And uh, when we find people like that, they share with confidence what they're saying because it comes from an inner walk with Christ. And prophecy is something that, that is a gift from God. It's a true gift from God. It's real. And there are times when you hear the Lord speak and you know it's the Lord and you just can't argue against it. And sometimes the Lord says the most outrageous things and then later on they're proven to be true. So I just think it's astounding that the problem that Ahab had with all these prophets is still the problem in the world today. And I guess it's always been a problem. There's always been a lot of people who think they know what the Lord is saying, but there's far few who actually do know what the Lord is saying. And if you want to be a prophet, ask the Lord and seek the Lord so that you will know his voice. Um, in the end, I think the Lord doesn't call everyone to be a prophet. But Paul did say, eagerly desire to prophesy and there is a difference the lord can reveal his voice to you but to be a prophet at this level where you speak to kings and you inform government and all of that i think the lord calls people to be that and we shouldn't presume that that's us so they go off to battle they um it's exactly what micaiah says uh, ahab is killed in the battle at random um an arrow goes through the the join in the armor and kills him and he bleeds out in the chariot. The army races to get home and it's 51 kilometers from Ramoth Gilead. So they've got a dead body of the king in the chariot for 51 kilometers to get back to Syria and he's bleeding in the chariot. Because you remember in the chapter about Naboth's vineyard, which is the one before this one, I think it's the one before this one, last chapter. In that chapter, um, the prophet Elijah came to Ahab and said, that, um, you know, basically he would die and his blood would be poured out on the ground where Naboth's blood had been poured out. Well, that's exactly what happens here. Because the chariot comes back from the battle, 51 kilometers back, and it's washed outside the city, the blood washes out onto the ground in the same place where Naboth was stoned. Naboth was taken out of the city and stoned to death, right in the same place where Ahab's blood is washed out of the chariot. I think it's really, really crazy. Out of curiosity, ancient chariots could go at between 10 to 15 miles an hour if the horses didn't have a brake, depending on the fitness and strength of horses. 
So this 50, well it says 55 kilometer journey here from Ramoth Gilead to Samaria would have taken between four to eight hours. So it's a full day's chariot ride to get the dead body of Ahab back to Samaria to get out of the danger and to clean the chariot. In the end of the chapter, it mentions all that Ahab did, you know, including the ivory palace that he built, is it not written in the annals of the, of the kings of Israel? Now that one mention of an ivory palace right there, including the ivory palace that he built, that for years had people talking. <laughs> oh, you know, there's no such thing as an ivory palace. You know, there's no ivory in Israel. You know, he wouldn't have built an ivory palace, right? <laughs> well, guess what? Just Google King Ahab's ivory palace. It's a thing. It was discovered by uh, you know archaeologists not very long ago, and you can go to the Biblical Archaeology website. There's a whole page on King Ahab's ivory palace. It never ceases to amaze me how time after time they discover the things that the Bible says happened. It's, it's, it's remarkable. So in this chapter, Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah. He becomes the fourth king of Judah. And, um, and in this chapter, Ahab dies, and Ahaziah becomes the eighth king of Israel, and he becomes the second king, sorry, he becomes the third king of the fourth dynasty. So that's just to keep you up to date with where we're at. So between Israel and Judah so far, we've had Jehoshaphat, four kings, and Ahaziah, eight kings. We've been through 12 of the kings of Israel and Judah. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you know how to speak. And Lord, you spoke in this chapter to Micaiah, the son of Imla, a true word. Lord, we don't want to be people who just assume that we know your voice. We want to be people who hear your voice. And Lord, let us be determined to know what you're saying and to obey. Lord, let your heart be in us. And Father, I pray that in the world that you'd raise up true prophets. But so many people just speak out whatever they think comes to mind, whatever they think you're saying. But Lord, it's not of you. A lot of it isn't of you anyway. But Lord, let the voice of the Lord truly be heard. Lord, let real prophets be, be rise up. Lord, let your voice be spoken to governors and kings and queens and presidents as it was in the Bible. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.